and welcome to this next edition of Café Klingendal, the podcast series of the Klingendal Institute. My name is Rem Korteweg. I'm a senior research fellow at the Klingendal Institute, and I'm joined today by Noah Barkin. Noah is a Berlin-based journalist who has been covering transatlantic relations and its relationship to China uh, for the past couple of years. Um, and most recently is a visiting academic fellow at the Merricks Institute for China in Berlin. Noah, uh, thank you very much for joining me. Um, let's dive right in. In this emerging US-Chinese great power competition, it seems to be that Europe is kind of squeezed in the middle, both in terms of how Europe responds to some of the security challenges arising from China's behavior in the region, as well as on the trade front, uh, where we see, of course, the US-Chinese trade war taking place, which puts Europe right in the middle. We have European countries and the European Commission coming out more recently with new China strategies. How do we make sense of this all? Is Europe forced to pick sides in this battle between the US and China? Uh, well, thanks for having me, Ram. Um, I think that uh, Europe increasingly will be forced to take sides. Um, uh, I think the debate in the United States right now, the US, it's the incumbent superpower. It feels threatened by China. Um, and the steps, we've already seen this, uh, the steps that the US is taking, banning Huawei, putting huge pressure on Europe to, uh, to do the same. Uh, I think this, this, this debate over 5G is just sort of the beginning of a very tense time in the transatlantic relationship over China. I think, um, you know, over the coming, over the coming year, uh, the U.S. is planning to introduce export controls that could put Europe in a very difficult position. It could hurt European firms. Uh, some European firms might be tempted to fill the gap created by these export controls. That could create even more tension. But I think when you get when you get down to the nub of this, um, there's a huge. There's a huge uh, interest both in, in Washington, also in, in, in European capitals, uh, to work together uh, on this issue. China uh, poses threats on many, on many levels. Um, right now, uh, this is seen in sort of black and white terms in Washington and grayer terms in Europe. So it's, it's very difficult for Europe and the US to, to talk about this. But what we've seen over the past year is Europe and the U.S. taking steps to push back against China. Uh, so I think we're at the very beginning of this process. Um, the idea that Europe and the U.S. should be talking on China is not going to go away, that there's a compelling argument, I think, uh, when you think about uh, artificial intelligence, when you think about um, uh, Belt and Road and finding ways to boost transparency and, and, and giving developing countries an alternative to, to China. Um, there's, there's a compelling reason for the U.S. and Europe to talk together. So we're at the beginning of the process right now. Uh, it's, it's been quite tense. Uh, U.S. and Europe come to this from different from different sides, um, but I think over time, one has to hope that, that Europe and the US can work together on this. You are a US citizen. You've recently come back from a research trip in the Washington area. Um, when you speak to folks there, is there a, um, 
sense that Europe has to toe the American line, or is there room for Europe to develop its own approach to China? Well, uh, there are many different voices in Washington, but I think the people in the administration and close to the administration that I talk to, um, their attitude is, uh, we see the threat emanating from China, um, we're going to go our own way, and Europe better follow. So it's, it's, it's more of a, we're going to push ahead, and, uh, and, and, and there's a sort of expectation that Europe will follow, and we've seen that on the 5G issue. Uh, it's not so much, I think until now, it hasn't been a sort of a dialogue between Europe and the U.S. Uh, what, what are the priorities? Like, uh, you know, you can say uh, emerging technologies, or you can say responding to Belt and Road, uh, developing a joint response, uh, investment screening, etc. There are talks going on, but we're not at a point right now when you're talking to the people in the Trump administration where they're saying, let's work with Europe. It's more, we're going to do our own thing and Europe should follow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the, the Chinese, in many respects, are also trying to curry favors among the Europeans. Is there, are there any points that you can mention here that are, that are worth exploring, where you see uh, China trying to win Europe over to its mm -hmm. side? Well, I think um, this, is, this is natural, that China is under enormous pressure from the United States right now uh, with the, Trump's tariffs. Um, they, they, they see how the debate has sort of shifted in the U.S., uh, become very hostile, very confrontational. Um, you know, it's uh, people talking about containment and isolation. And I think it's natural in, in a situation like that that, um, uh, that China would be doing all it can to make sure that Europe is on its side, or at least not siding uh, with the U.S. Um, and I think we, we, we've seen that. The, um, uh, the, the last EU-China summit in, in April, uh, Europe uh, was quite pushy, and, uh, and I think China signed up to a lot of promises, pledges that were in the final uh, summit statement that you know a, a year or two ago it wouldn't have been. So it feels under pressure. Uh, Europe has sort of used this pressure uh, that China is under from the United States to, to win concessions. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the challenge now is, um, is for Europe to uh, remain united or reach a, a semblance of a consensus on this. We're, we're at the beginning right now, but there are risks, of, of course. Mm -hmm. Italy signed this um, memorandum of understanding on the, on the Belt and Road uh, earlier this year. Merkel's recent trip to China kind of showed perhaps that um, the mood is shifting perhaps in Germany. After a year of a more confrontational approach, Germany uh, is saying, you know, we still want to do business with you, uh, Beijing. Uh, we're not going to talk openly about Xinjiang, about Chinese behavior in Hong Kong, etc. Um, so I think in order for you, the U.S. and Europe to work together, Europe has to sort of get its own mm -hmm. house in order. And, and that's going to be a struggle. But over the past year, certainly Europe has, has moved in one direction, uh, has made a lot of progress in terms of 
developing a, a perhaps a tougher, a more realistic China policy. Let's let's get into that a little bit because oftentimes in conversations like this, we describe Europe as a unitary actor, and as you also mentioned, it's not. Um, on the one hand, we can point to the EU statement in the run-up to the EU-China summit, where China is described as a quote-unquote systemic competitor, and on the other hand, we can point to individual activities by individual member states, which uh, either are conducive to developing a coherent EU policy or are at odds with that. And you mentioned Italy, you mentioned Germany. You, you've written recently about Chancellor Merkel's trip to, uh, to Beijing. And one of your pieces was provocatively titled, Is Germany Going Soft on China? Um, is Germany the linchpin? for developing a coherent European uh, response to, uh, to China. So if, if Germany fails, Europe as such uh, won't be able to deliver. Yeah, well, I think um, Germany is absolutely crucial. Um, Germany has the biggest economic relationship with China. And we've seen other countries, you know, years ago, the UK under David Cameron, uh, France, uh, engaging with China a lot more and in, in, in looking at, at, at Germany's relationship with China and saying this is something that we need to catch up. Um, now it's moving in the other direction, but I think for Europe to be united on this, I think ideally Germany, France and the UK have to work together. Mm -hmm. Now Brexit of course throws a wrench in that plan. It's, it's hard to Hard to predict where the UK is going on China. Obviously, it needs to work together with the US very closely. So, um, but but I think Germany, France, and the UK need to work together, and then and then uh, you know get other countries like the Netherlands, like Spain, um, and and Italy, where we've had a, a change of government now, and maybe things are moving in the other direction. Hmm. Uh, Poland. Uh, the, with these other big countries try to try to forge some sort of consensus. But I think Germany, because of its economic relationship with China, it really has to lead the way. Yeah. And, and so if we look at the large countries inside the European Union, there are, as you mentioned, there are problems in, in terms of anticipating where the UK is going to go with its China policy if Brexit happens. Uh, Poland recently signed an agreement or an MOU with the United States where, where it's difficult to envisage that Huawei is going to invest in uh, in Poland's 5G network. Um, you've talked about the problems with Germany, where Germany tends to focus still very much on the commercial uh, uh, side of the relationship. Is France the last country standing in Europe that wants to build that leadership? Well, first of all, the title of the story I wrote is Germany Going Soft on China. That's a bit uh, simplistic. Uh, I think Germany is is wrestling uh, with its its China policy and and their attentions in Berlin. I think Macron uh, also wants to do business with with China, of course. Um, and uh, when Xi Jinping visited in March of this year, um, he he brought. German Chancellor Angela Merkel and, and, and European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker to Paris to meet with Xi, that sent a message of European unity, uh, but he also signed a lot of deals uh, with China at the same time. Um, is, is Macron the last man standing? No, no. I think we're, we're sort of at a stage where all of these countries are, are feeling their way. Um, I think it's absolutely vital that Germany and France be talking with each other on this issue. Um, 
with the UK as well and with other big countries like the Netherlands, uh, Spain, Italy, etc. So uh, it's not going to be a straight line. We're going to see trips like Merkel's trip. Uh, Macron, I think, is heading to, to China later this year. Uh, I would expect him to maybe uh, talk a bit more forthrightly about uh, certain issues like uh, Xinjiang or, or Hong Kong than, than Merkel did. Um, but really, you know, one man is not enough. Mm. Uh, Germany and France have to work together uh, and they have to get other countries on board. And then focusing a little bit on the new European Commission. So Ursula von der Leyen um, has, has described this new commission as a geopolitical commission. Mm. What do you expect in terms of uh, the China policy from this new commission? Well, uh, Ursula von der Leyen was German defense minister, um, and I think defense ministers generally um, are, have been pretty clear-eyed. They've been, you know, she's dealt with, with China and China issues. Uh, she gave a very uh, tough interview in, in ger the German newspaper Die Zeit about half a year ago, which showed that she takes this very seriously. Um, I think the fact that she's talking about a geopolitical commission just sort of underlines the fact that, you know, Europe needs to think more strategically uh, than it has about uh, not just China, but, uh, but its relationship with the United States. You know, uh, the transatlantic alliance has been really the foundation of, of Europe's uh, foreign policy for, for a long time. And that is, that is of course, we're, we're seeing cracks in that relationship. Uh, I, I mean, von der Leyen is experienced and she has, a, she has what looks like a very good team, an experienced team of people. I think the risk, perhaps, is that Brussels gets out ahead of some of the member states. Mm. So uh, we had Germany and France uh, driving, I think, a tougher EU policy towards China over the past year. Um, we talked about this pretty tough paper that the, the Commission presented. I think maybe there's a risk now that the Commission gets out ahead of countries like Germany and there's an attempt to sort of pull it back. Uh, we're going to see that in the next few months, whether that's the case. And, and then when it comes to transatlantic cooperation on China, will we have to wait for a, a new president in the White House before that really starts to materialize, at least on this side of the Atlantic? Well, I think... Uh, you know, the Democrats are still uh, working out their China policy. You know, a lot of the Democratic candidates are very tougher on trade, perhaps, than Trump is. Um, there's no real political advantage in Washington these days to, to advocating a sort of cooperation with China. Um, but one would expect perhaps a more nuanced approach if a Democrat comes into the White House next, uh, is elected uh, uh, next year. Um, all the Democratic candidates have said we need to work more closely with our allies on China. Um, so I think you would see an attempt to do that if a Democrat came into the White House. Um, but that would also, in a way, put more pressure on Europe in the sense that uh, if you don't have this boogeyman in the White House and you have <laughs> Joe Biden or Elizabeth yeah. Warren or, or someone else saying we want to work with you, Europe, on China, Europe then it's, hard, yeah. it's harder to say no. Yeah. Thank you very much for this moment, Noah Barkin. Um, it's a fascinating basket of issues that, you, that you've been covering. This is arguably the biggest geopolitical challenge that Europe faces or, or, or the world as such. Um, and uh, thank you very much for, uh, for your time.
If you want to stay updated on Café Klingendal podcasts, please register at www.klingendal.org.